Good morning. So I've been telling you the, the last months and some of you years uh, about this awesome ministry we've had the pleasure and blessing to work with. And so we're glad to share a portion of our workshop with you this morning. Uh, this is Ian McIntosh, who will lead uh, the rest of the service for us. Wow. What a blessing it is to be church with you guys this morning. My goodness, it's really awesome. And, uh, you know, um, a good portion of us drove all the way over from Vancouver, Washington. So just raise your hands up, you staff, so they can know who you are. All right, there we go. So we'll be heading back there this evening, but we have really enjoyed being here in Cody. I mean, this is an amazing town. I don't know if you can know how blessed you are to live here, but it's a really cool place. I might want to retire here someday. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, so a little bit about what you're going to experience this morning. Uh, we have five participants. Um, you, you, you know them, uh, at least most of you probably do. And they're going to um, come up one at a time and share uh, what it is that God gave them to share. In fact, we told them yesterday, we gave them a whole, I don't know, 12 hours of uh, prep time. We told them that they were going to be church this morning and that it was their job to go and ask God, what is it that you want me to share with people this morning? And it's kind of like a spiritual potluck. So we get to feast on what they've brought. And if everybody brings potato salad, then we eat potato salad, you know? So whatever they brought, that's what we're gonna enjoy and it will be good. And uh, a few reminders for you participants and also just by way of informing um, the, the rest of the church here. You may have noticed the beautiful artwork on the wall over here. We call that God's refrigerator. And uh, the participants on Friday night took a moment to uh, craft what we call a dagger statement. It's really a, a, a statement of truth, of identity, of who they are in God that the enemy cannot take away. Because the enemy can take away a lot of my stuff, but he can't take away my identity. And so, um, so we have them craft that short statement that they can use and just grab onto it in a moment's notice to fight off the attack of the enemy when he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So participants, make sure you share your dagger statement uh, as part of your sharing time. And another thing I wanna mention is that we have asked the participants to share in first person, right? So remember that participants. So if they have a scripture to read for you, uh, they're going to read it first person. And if they have sharing, hopefully they'll remember to share in first person and Mac and I might help them remember if they forget. And um, we, we think it's really powerful when someone can, can share their own heart uh, with the people that they know and love and trust. And so that's what we're hoping will happen here this morning. And I feel like I'm forgetting something else, but it must not be too important. Um, oh, do keep an eye on uh, Kai back there. Uh, he'll be timing you. You know, he'll be giving you the goalposts when you get close to that five-minute mark. And also, if you have some, uh, like, a media or um, a YouTube video or whatever that you want as part of your presentation, bring it to Kai, and, and he'll, he'll queue it up for you there. So I think that's about it. Yes, sir. Oh, great. Well, that is what I was forgetting. Thank you. And it was important. So another thing that we tell the participants is we would like them to step out of their comfort zone. And one way they can do that, you know, we say, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. And so when, when it comes time to sharing in large group, or in this case on Sunday morning, we tell them, you know, if, if you're the type that would normally wait to go last, then, then maybe consider going first. And if you're the type that likes to, to go first, you know, either because you like speaking or because you want to get it over with, then maybe wait towards the end. And so um, this morning I got to meet a, a fine young man. Um, was it Eli? Ethan. Ethan. So I'm told that you probably are familiar with that concept. Yeah, that's an emphatic head shake, yes. <laughs> so how does that concept work for you? You'd normally go first, yeah? And so was it hard for you to wait? <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> good. Well, I'm glad you've learned that principle of stepping out of your comfort zone, that's good. And, and I wanna mi also mention that uh, after our participants share, I'll come up and, uh, and share a story from scripture uh, with you and I'll actually have you help me out with some of that and you'll see what that looks like later on. So uh, without further ado, I'm just gonna set the microphone down here and, uh, and the participants can come on up and start sharing.
Hey. <laughs> uh, you'll notice I'm looking at you this time. I see you. You see me? I'm here. Um, oh, this is the hard part for me, remembering things. I am the warring joy of my father. That is my dagger statement. This is one of my tools for war. This is my shofar. This is the thing that I practiced for a long time. My lips are dry today. We don't know what's going to come out of it. <laughs> hey, we're just winging it. So um, I don't remember exactly all the what it means and all these things, but I'm going to just try to make it sing because I can't. <laughs> That's me tooting my own horn. <laughs> town at every gateway that it that we have I haven't done it with this congregation but you don't know that about me I anoint with oil I do the prophetic things my God was Jewish and I'm adopted in so I've got many miles on this thing you notice I got a sling finally because I got tired of just hanging on to it Sometimes with places I go, it takes two hands to hang on. I've been to cliff tops, mountain tops, and valleys. I've blown it in, in the tunnels, which is really cool, because it talks back to you. You know, you can hear yourself in the tunnel. I can hear myself. Um, but this, to me, is a prophetic symbol of doing, talking, and being, calling forth people to go, it's time for war. It is time for war. We can't stand in a peaceful, off-the-cuff place. We have to be, I, <laughs> but uh, I am not going to stand on the sidelines anymore. I am going to battle. I will pray in tongues. I will do all the things in the prophetic mind that I can do to help all of you because that's what I'm called to do. Can I use one of these mic stands? Big on 
Hold it. I kind of need both hands. The Lord has um, opened things up in my heart, shown me some things inside that were keeping me between from having a full relationship with him. Some things that surprised me when I got to speak to God. <laughs> so um, I'm normally the guy that waits to last, so I'm not waiting to last. And something you've probably never seen me do in front of you is sing and dance. <laughs> you might want to close your eyes. Oh. <laughs> so this is to remind me of how I was dressed when we did this. But I want to repeat performance of our stretch song. Um, and they're going to put, going to play the song and you'll see the words up here. I don't know if you, any of you know the song, but even if you don't, sing along because I don't know all the words. <laughs> I know the chorus pretty good, but um, if you sing along, then it'll help drown me out. So,
a good and faithful servant of God with a God-given purpose. So that's earlier I shared a scripture, and that scripture's been on my heart for a while. That I actually didn't know what I was going to share until I read that scripture, <laughs> but now I'm going to read it in the first person, because I usually, I've thought of it as myself in the first person, but I usually think of it for those other people who need help. I need help. And I've received help, and I've cried out to the Lord. Oh, well, I got hands. <laughs> Let's see. I will give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. I, the redeemed of the Lord, say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. <coughs> Ain't that the truth? And gathered in from the lands and from the east and the west and the north and the south. I wandered in desert waste lands, finding no way to a city to dwell in. I was hungry and thirsty. Your, my soul fainted within me. Then I cried out to the Lord in my trouble, and he delivered me from my distress. He led me by a straight way till I reached a city to dwell in. I will... Let me thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he satisfies my longing soul. And the hungry and my hungry soul he fills with good things. I sat in darkness and in the shadow of death. I was a prisoner in affliction and in irons, for I had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So I, so God bowed my heart down with hard labor. They fell I fell down with none to help. Then I cried out, I cried to the Lord in my trouble, and he delivered me from my distress. He brought me out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst my bonds apart. I'm seeing how much I'm going to read. I'm just going to keep going. Let me thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. To me, I mean. For he shatters my doors of bronze, and he cuts in two the bars of iron. I was a fool through my own sinful ways, and because of my iniquities, suffered affliction. I loathed any kind of food, and I drew near to the gates of death. Then I cried to the Lord in my trouble, and he delivered me from my distress. It's more than once. <laughs> um, there's been different times when I cried out to the Lord and he's delivered me. There's sometimes I cried out to the Lord and I didn't feel delivered, but I keep crying out to the Lord and he keeps delivering me. He might not do it the way I want, but no preaching. <laughs> Then I cried out to the Lord in my trouble. Okay, I already read that like a few times. <laughs> I need to hear it a few times. He sent out his word and healed me and delivered me from my destruction. Let me thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And let me offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. I'm going to work on that later. Make a song of thanksgiving. Don't let me forget that. Okay. I went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. I saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. I mounted up to heaven. 
Okay, and actually, I don't know if I mounted to heaven. I'm going to skip that. I'm just going to read the last part. When I am diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, God pours contempt on princes, princes and makes them wander in trackless ways. But he raises up the needy, that's me, out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright, I see it and I'm glad, and all wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise, if I'm wise, I will let him attend to these things, or I will attend to these things. Let me consider the steadfast love of the Lord. My dagger is, see how good my memory is, because I can't read it that far away. I am God's joyful ambassador. Yes, and I forgot to share something. Can I share what I gained from this experience? Okay. <laughs> Nobody wants to know that, right? Um, I was able to share something that had been on my mind for a long time. Um, got that off, and I'm having healing in that. Joyful. I'm not very joyful a lot. I'm... I critique and analyze and so I just felt that God wants me to be joyful, choose to be joyful. Joyful is a happiness that doesn't depend on my circumstances or my attitude. Well, I can change my attitude to be joyful. Ambassador is twofold. Ambassador is like, I'm going to go out and represent God, so that means I got to talk to people, tell people about God, and show them with my life. And it also is an encouragement to me to um, to stay on the right path because an ambassador can't be misrepresenting the one he. I, I as an ambassador, need to represent the one who's sending me. So it's a continual keeps like a little prod that can help me. But it's it's not a dem it's not like a your terrible thing. It's like, hey, you're an ambassador. You get to live like this. I, I get to live like this. My dagger, I am God's chosen and loved daughter, living full of joy and peace in my So I made monkey bread to bring and share with y'all. Part of it, because the name monkey bread is just really fun. <laughs> and I like to have fun, and God is fun. And um, also because it's not too hard to make. And um, yeah, <laughs> so, but I had help. All of my boys helped, all Keith too. So uh, definitely a work uh, part of community, I guess. So, uh, but this isn't very perfect, is it? When I poured it out, it was messy. But that's okay, because when you pour me out, I'm messy too. <laughs> so I come in all of my imperfection with y'all, and I'm still loved and still chosen in that and I don't have to do everything right and I'm really uh, thankful for that and this had to get pretty hot in my oven pretty uncomfortable in there I would not have wanted to be in that oven with it so but because of that it got to cook and rise and be delicious to share with all of you and the heart change process is a little bit like getting in that oven for part of the time. Sometimes it was really good, but other times I was pretty unhappy. <laughs> so but I'm going to be honest, but, um, but it was really good. And I hope you all will have some monkey bread later. It's out there to share.
Okay, so my dagger is I am God's creation. Oh, I am my father's creation of purpose and his beloved daughter. So I didn't bring anything to show you guys, and now I feel kind of lame because everybody else did. Um, but <laughs> I did bring me. Okay. <laughs> um, so basically what mine was is last night I went home and I was kind of freaking out because I had no idea what to do and I was like frustrated because I was like I'm not gonna have anything and so then I just I was going to bed and I just like sat there and I was just like God if you want me to have something tonight I guess bring it to me in my sleep and if you don't like I mean I guess I'll just wing it but I woke up and I was singing Rockabye Baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there's a song, like a, I don't know if it's a worship song, but there's also the rhyme, the lullaby. And <laughs> um, so obviously it's just this song about a baby in a tree. And I don't know what that says about the parents of that baby, but <laughs> when you... <laughs> When you think about that song, it's like, Rockabye Baby, okay, so she's comfortable, she's in her cradle, she's like sleeping, and then in the treetops, so you're like, okay, she's in a tree, whatever. And then you continue in this song, and the wind blows, and the cradle rocks, and the bow breaks, and this baby falls, and it's like, wow, that's scary, okay, why am I singing this to my children? But... <laughs> When I was singing it this morning, I was thinking about it in a different light. I was like, okay, what if this baby is me? And so I'm, I'm this baby. I'm comfortable. I'm in my cradle that I've built for myself. It's just this little shell around me. And I've become comfortable where I am. I'm up in this treetop. I'm strung up, and I've just been staying there and hanging there. And even if it's not safe for me, I'm not willing to move, and um, so then obviously the wind blows, and the cradle starts rocking, and that's uncomfortable, and I would say that that was probably a heart change, and maybe even just God's breath, like, move, like, I need you to come to me, I need you to fall to me, and um, so then the bow breaks, and the cradle falls, and I feel like I've hit that breakthrough. <laughs> it's not so much a break as a, I'm finally allowing myself to fall into the arms of Christ. Because when you look at it that way, it's not as bad of a fall. It's a, <laughs> it's a fall into Jesus. And I feel like that should be a line in that song. Like <laughs> That credo fell and that baby fell into Jesus's arms and he was there. And so, yeah, that was how I related that song to me. Yay. <laughs> that later. <laughs> so, um, boy, thank you, God, for what you've done in these participants' hearts. I pray, God, that you would protect it, uh, that you would nurture it, and that you would multiply it. So thank you, God, for each one of them. Amen. So um, I'm going to uh, tell a quick story from uh, the book of Judges, chapter 6, and you're welcome to turn there if you want. Um, I'll be reading part of it from the New American Standard Bible, and I'll be paraphrasing good portions of it, and you'll kind of help me with parts of that also. But uh, I'm a big believer in context, so um, I, I go all the way back to the book of Exodus for the context of the book of Judges, because... Uh, Moses led the Israelites out of slavery across the, the Red Sea and, you know, ultimately right to the cusp of the promised land. And then Joshua led them into the promised land. And that's what we read of in the book of Joshua, where they are, um, you know, engaging in conquest and dominion uh, in, in the promised land. And, you know, they never fully um, eradicated the people, right? You know, they, they were told to get rid of all of the, uh, the indigenous population, and God was going to use Israel to judge those people for their sin and, and then deliver the land into their hand. But they didn't, they didn't do that fully. It was partial obedience. 
And, uh, and Moses had warned them before Joshua led them into the promised land, like, be careful to, to do this, to get rid of all of them, and be careful to not follow their gods because, you know, they will lead you astray in, in idol worship. And, of course, that's exactly what happened. And so in the book of Judges, we see this um, sin cycle repeated seven different times. And, and so each story of one of the judges is one of those cycles. And what we read about is, you know, they fall into disobedience. They are uh, worshiping false gods and uh, idol worship. And then because of that disobedience, God sends uh, discipline into their life, usually in the form of um, those indigenous people, you know, all the Ittites, you know, the Amorites, the Jebusites, the other ites, you know, they, they'd come in and, and they, they would subdue the people. And then uh, the, the people would feel the weight of that discipline and they would cry out to God for a deliverer, an interjudge, stage left, whichever one it might be. And then he would deliver Israel from that oppression and then they were happy ever after until the next time they did it and they just kind of went through that same process like seven different times. So in the book of Judges chapter 6, we see uh, one of those cycles kind of playing out here. So I'm going to um, read a little bit of it to you. In uh, chapter 6 verse 1, it says, the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hands of Midian for seven years. The power of Midian prevailed against Israel because of, because of Midian, the sons of Israel made for themselves the dens which were in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. And he goes on to talk about how they hid. They didn't live in their towns, in their villages, in their cities. They, they hid in the caves so that when Midian came, they would be safe, you know, because if they were living in their town, the Midianites would come in and just take everything. You know, they, they, would, uh, they would take all the produce of the land and then they would, they would burn what was ever left of it. And, and I mean, that would be like somebody hacking into my bank account on payday before I got my bills paid and just bringing my balance to zero, you know, because that's how they lived. They lived as an agrarian people. And so these Midianites would come and take everything they had. And this was happening for seven years. And, and it says Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And, and that was their turning point. And I know for some of you, you, maybe you've experienced that, like that rock bottom, like I've been brought really low, you know, I'm, I'm feeling oppressed. And I don't think it's true all the time, but I think sometimes uh, those circumstances could be God's discipline trying to get my attention, trying to turn me back to him, you know. It, it, it's the case here. And um, so I try to be in the habit of asking God, you know, like when my circumstances blow up around me, when life gets really hard, I'm like, okay, Lord, um, am, am I missing you somewhere? Am I going the wrong direction? Am I doing the wrong thing? Because if this circumstance is from you, I want to repent now. I don't want to wait seven years like these guys did, you know? So uh, they were brought low. And, uh, and then if we skip down to, uh, let's see, uh, verse 6, it says, Israel was brought very low because of Midian, and the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. That's the turning point, right? Like, they have nowhere left to look but up, so they look up and they cry out to the Lord. And then the next few verses talk about how the Lord sent a prophet to tell them, like, hey, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to send someone to, to deliver you from the hands of Midian. And so people are getting excited about that. And then the story shifts a little bit, and it turns to one specific guy named Gideon. And in verse 11, it says that Gideon uh, was hanging out in a wine press uh, processing his wheat. And that's not where you process wheat. That's where you make wine, you know? A wine press was either a, a naturally occurring or a man-made, like, depression in the land where, you know, they would, all the juice would go down into the bottom, right? When you're processing wheat, you want, like, an open field where you can throw the sheet up and the shaft blows away and the kernel drops down and you collect it all up. So... Um, so he was doing this because he was afraid of Midian. He was afraid of the Midianites, and he was trying to provide for his family. So at that point, an angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and says, Hail, mighty warrior! <laughs> and, and here's Gideon, yeah, here's Gideon like hiding in the wine press, right? Like, you know, working out his, his wheat in the... Uh, if I was Gideon, I'd look around me like, is he talking to someone else? Like... Come on, say, what? I don't know. It's not me. And uh, so Gideon, so God said, you know, hail my warrior, um, the Lord is with you. 
And Gideon's response, I love how Gideon was open with the Lord. Later on, we find out that this angel of the Lord was the Lord himself. Gideon says, yeah, I'm not buying it. <laughs> like, have you looked at my life? <laughs> like, what do you mean the Lord is with me? I'm in a wine press trying to process this little bit of wheat that I have here. Uh, you seen Midian? Yeah, maybe the Lord's with Midian because I'm not feeling the Lord's presence with me right now. I can barely feed my family. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. I know I have. And so, um, you know, Gideon says, if the Lord's with us, then why is all this happening? It, like, sure, the Lord was with our ancestors when he brought them out from Egypt, but yeah, there's no, I'm not feeling the Lord here with us. And then verse 11, the Lord looked at him, looked at him and said, uh, go in this your strength and deliver Midian or deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? I love how the Lord says, okay, Gideon, go in your strength. I'm sending you. There's this kind of like relationship there, right? Like Gideon's got to do it with the Lord, but he's, he's got to bring his skin in the game too, right? He's got to take part in that action. So, so he, he basically says, okay, Lord, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need you to prove it because, uh, you know, my faith is pretty small right now. And so, so God says, okay, uh, prepare a sacrifice. And, and this would have really been a sacrifice because, remember, they don't have much to eat, right? You know, there's a, Midian's taking everything. So he goes and, and kills an animal that would have fed his family for quite some time, prepares a sacrifice, and the angel of the Lord reaches out his staff and fire leaps up from the rock and consumes the offering. And so at that point, Gideon's like, oh, wow, maybe that was the Lord. How about that? He might have actually been telling the truth. Wow, maybe God was with me. Oh, <laughs> getting a little nervous there. So then, um, you know, at, at this point, I'm going to um, ask for Dave. Where'd you go, Dave? Oh, you're standing right there in front of me. Dave, why don't you uh, come up here and can you be my Gideon for me? No? W would you be willing to, I'll, I'll make it easy for you. Huh? <laughs> yep. But th this is uh, this is the second half of that once. <laughs> so, so here we've got Gideon. <laughs> Part B. That's right. So, so Gideon, you know, you you, um, you you made that sacrifice. The Lord consumed it with the staff, and then uh, and then you go home later that night. And then uh, verse twenty-five and twenty-six, the Lord said. And I think this is where you would jump in, Lowell. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. All right, so uh, little did we know, Gideon's dad, Joash, had uh, an altar to Baal and an Asherah pole there in the little village they lived in. That's, that's not good, right? That's the center of idol worship. So God is basically saying, okay, Gideon, um, you're going you're gonna to deliver Israel from the hand of Midian, but first we got to deal with cleaning up your own house. You know? so, um, so there happens to be an altar of Baal sitting back there. And uh, why, why don't you grab, um, Matt, can you be his right-hand man? All right, because, you know, every good warrior needs an armor bearer, right? So now it's, it's going to be the, the middle of the night because the, the word of the Lord came to him at night. And, um, and then, you know, if I turn the page, I'll see where it says, Gideon went uh, and took 10 of his servants. So you have the strength of 10 men. Nice. Way to go, Matt. <laughs> and uh, he took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord had spoken to him. It came about because he was afraid of his father's household uh, the, and the men of the city, uh, he did this at night. Okay, so it's nighttime. You're going to take your 10 guys, and you're going to go destroy that altar of Baal, okay? So now you all live in Gideon's town, and it's nighttime, so just pretend to be sleeping. You don't know what's about to happen here. So they, yeah, so come on back up. Yeah, okay, got, got it knocked down. And, and the next morning, you know, all, all the townsfolks, they, they wake up and, you know, they go to do their morning bail worship or whatever, and they see that. And then 
they get really upset and they go over to Joash, his dad, and they. God, if you if Bale's such a big shot, let him take care of it. Oh, look what's happening now! Wow. So Gideon's obedience is affecting his father, and his father's actually starting to think, you know, maybe Bale's not the right god to worship. How about that? Good job, Gideon. So Gideon, oh, and I should have had you bring your shofar. Could you go grab that? Uh oh. <laughs> For some reason, I don't believe you. <laughs> Because what Gideon does next is he blows the trumpet. See, God, and by the way, Gideon was from the least significant tribe in all of Israel, and, and he was from the least significant family in that whole tribe. And God chose to use him. And so Gideon um, obeys God, destroys the altar. Now there's this ripple of righteousness going through his family and probably through his town. And so he blows the shofar to gather all of the people from, from his family name and from his tribe. So go ahead and, and blow that shofar to gather some people. There it is. Okay, so that gathered some some army people. So let's get your uh, your your small group guy and and then uh, whoever else wants to be in God's army there. Maybe not all of them. We'll just get a handful of people up here. Yeah. Verse thirty four says that the spirit of the Lord fell on Gideon. So you remember he said go. Go in, go in this your strength, but he also said, have I not sent you? And so the Holy Spirit fills Gideon to equip him for the battle that he's going to be leading and winning. And so uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit, he calls this army, and, uh, and the Midianites, they see what's up. You know, they hear the rumbling and, and read the morning paper or whatever, and, and uh, they get their security briefing, and they're like, oh, somebody's going to try to start something. Okay, well, let's gather our people too. So they gather their people, 135,000 of them, and they line up for battle across the river. So then Gideon's like, huh, we need more people. So then he goes to his people and he says, go, go all, all throughout the tribes and gather, gather up an army. Get them. <laughs> yeah, so go, go get some people to be in the army and the army can just line up in the front here. That'll be okay. All right, this is a good, good-looking army. <laughs> That's a really good-looking army. Yeah. Boy, howdy! Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, what the rest of you don't know is now you are the Midianites. So. <laughs> All right, so, so Gideon rounds up 32,000 people. Yeah, and, and that's 135,000, right? Okay, uh, not good odds. 135,000, 32,000, okay. So Gideon, you know, he, his faith is still growing, right? God is coaxing that faith out of Gideon. He's still a little, you know, a little um, sheepish or whatever. And so because he's sheepish, he decides to use a fleece. <laughs> sheepish. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and he takes this fleece and uh, and and he puts it out and, uh, and and he says to the Lord, okay, when I wake up tomorrow, if the fleece is is wet and the ground is dry, then I'll know that you're going to give me the battle. So tell God something like that. Uh, if the fleece is wet and the ground is dry, I'll win the battle. All right. So go ahead and wherever. Okay. So then, so then uh, all God's army goes to sleep. And then we wake up the next morning. And, you know, Gideon, he's pretty excited. He goes out to the fleece, and he checks it, picks it up, and... It's wet. It's wet, but the ground... 
is dry. Okay. Wow. So you, you would think he'd be like, hey, okay, we got this. But no, not quite yet. Because, you know, it might have just been like a meteorological fluke, right? You know, <laughs> things happen. So, so this time you're going to flip it around, right? Like the fleece be dry and the ground be wet. So tell God, you know. God, make the ground wet and the fleece dry. And then I'll know. Yeah. All right, so we all take another nap. And then we wake up. Gideon goes out to check the fleece. It's dry. But the ground, but the ground is wet. Awesome. So Gideon is excited now. He's like, hey, maybe, you know what? God's going to actually do this. Okay. But then um, the Lord said something to Gideon. You have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands in order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her. Announce now to the people. Anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. All right. So announce to them if they're afraid they can go home. Hey, if, you, if, you, if you're scared, see ya later. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that, by the way, is uh, in, uh, in keeping with Deuteronomy 20, verse 8, where God gave very specific instructions that people were not supposed to fight if they were afraid or if they had just gotten married or if they had bought in land. So Gideon sends him home. Now he's down to 10,000. Yeah. Now, how, how many are you Midianites? 135 against 10. That's like 13 and a half to one. All right. I'm not good at mathing, but I think that's right. Yeah. Okay. So then... Um, so then uh, the, the Lord says to Gideon again, and by this time, Gideon might be afraid to hear from the Lord. I don't know. Like, what are you going to say next, Lord? <laughs> there are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will sift them with you. He shall go, but if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. All right, so tell him to go get a drink. Hey, chill. Get some, get some water. All right, so everybody goes down to the river down there and gets a drink. All right, and then, um, and then in verse 5, we read that the Lord said, Separate those who lap the water with their tongues like a dog from those who kneel down to drink. All right, go ahead and so tell them if, if you lapped your, oh, and, and basically uh, the ones that lapped like a dog, they're going to go home, is that right? Yeah. All right, so t tell them all you guys that lapped uh, water like a dog, go home. Y you lappers, <laughs> out of here. <laughs> all right, so, so Gideon started this out with 32,000. Then he went down to 10,000, and now, now he's got 300. Yeah, 135,000. Now remember, Gideon's Achilles heel is fear, right? So I wonder how he's feeling right about now. <laughs> mm. So, uh, but remember, God is so good at coaxing faith out of me and Gideon and all of us. God knows just how to, how to get us right there on the edge where, where we need him. And so God is aware that Gideon is afraid. And, and that's why God said to him, Get up, go down against the camp, because I am going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, Go down to the camp with your servant and listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. Hmm. That's pretty interesting because Gideon is afraid of attacking Midian. So God says, hey, if you're afraid, just go down into the middle of their camp. <laughs> so Gideon still has to have some faith, right? Because, you know, but he's, well, okay, so if I'm not afraid... It's almost a catch-22. So grab Matt, you know, your armor-bearer guy there, and, and we're going we're gonna to walk down into the middle of the camp. 
All right, now these are all the Midianites, and they're, they're all sound asleep, okay? And then the, the, these tent mates here in this, in this tent, they uh, all of a sudden have this conversation that Gideon happens to overhear. I had a dream. What was your dream? I dreamt that there was this giant barley loaf, and it was rolling down the hill, and it was like right over the top of us. I know what the dream means. You do? Yes. <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> that Gideon and his army are going to come down and kill us all. Oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so right there in the middle of camp, Gideon builds an altar and worships God because he is aware that God truly is going to give him the victory. Yeah, so then Gideon goes back to his army, and now his faith-o-meter is just really high, right? And, uh, and so then God, again, wanting to make sure that Gideon is depending on God, um, God tells him, uh, and I forget, Lowell, am I going to have you do that part, or am I doing it? I'm doing this part. Okay, thanks for the reminder. All right, so then God tells him, okay, here's the deal. Um, you, you're going to get the victory without any weapons. So, you know, don't, don't worry about the weapons. All you need is like a flashlight. And, uh, and a trumpet. Yeah. <laughs> now, back then, they didn't have flashlights, so it would have been a torch with a clay pot that would go over the top of the torch, you know? So what you're going to do is, okay, you're going to tell all of them to get their torches and their, their clay pots and their trumpets, and then when they hear your signal, well, first they're going to surround everyone, right? And, and then when they hear your signal, you're going to, uh, they're they're going to, like, take the clay pot off their torch. They're going to throw their clay pot down, and then they're going to blow their trumpet and hold up their torch, and they're going to say, for the sword of the Lord and for Gideon. Okay, so tell them to do that. What he said. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so go surround them. Bring your torches in your clay pots and go surround the camp of Midian. They look like they're in place. Now, they're all going to be waiting for the, the sound of Gideon's trumpet, and that's going to be their cue to, to take their clay pot off their torch and throw the clay pot down and hold up their torch and blow their trumpet and shout for the sword of the Lord and for Gideon. So. For the sword of the Lord and for Gideon and throw that clay pot down. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then you know what happens? All of you Midianites get startled and wake up. You think you're being attacked, and so you grab your sword and you start killing each other. <laughs> and and the, the few uh, the few that ran off, uh, Gideon and his army chased down and captured, and God did indeed deliver Midian into Gideon's hand that day. Good job, Gideon. There are, there are two valuable lessons that, that I learned from that story. And thank you all for helping me tell it. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can clap, yeah. One lesson I learned from this story is to persevere to the end. The sad ending of the story is that Gideon later fell into idolatry and led Israel into idol worship, and God sent more discipline all over again. So that serves as a big warning to me, right? I need to stay faithful to God to the very end. I need to stay faithful to leading his people towards him to the very end. Gideon had a great story that ended tragically. So that's one lesson I learned. The other one is the way that God coaxed out of Gideon that thing that he saw in there, right? God, God said in the very beginning, hail, valiant warrior, or mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like Mr. Scaredy Cat Pants, you know? And, and so, uh, but God knew that that was in there. And God coaxed it out of him in, in a very customized sort of way. 
And, and I believe that God is uh, very intimately, personally coaxing out of each one of us that thing that he's put in us so that we can go be victorious in him. And I love the way he does that. You know, God gave Gideon a new name, you know, mighty man of valor. And, and they actually changed his name to Jerubbabel, which means um, he who contends with Baal, which is kind of cool, you know, Jerubbabel. But anyway, but, you know, they, they, he was also called Mighty Man of Valor. And, um, and so in a moment, um, our, our uh, Heart Change small group teas are going to come and minister to the participants, uh, giving them a new name. And, uh, and this is really significant for them because uh, the, these TAs have been spending the last three and a half days with them and loving on them and, and watching God work in them. And now the, the TAs get to go to these participants and, and bless them by saying, this is something that I see God having put in you. And so um, a, as they do this, I would ask that you respect just kind of the quiet, you know, uh, peaceful moment that, that is there. And then um, afterwards, we'll have them introduce themselves by their new name. And, um, and, but I would also ask you to consider, you know, what is, what is it that's in me that God is calling out of me? And what name might he give me that would represent that thing? So just, you know, be, be con conversing with God about that as our TAs come and minister to the participants.
this right now because you're not on the stage. So um, I, I'd like for, for these uh, five to introduce themselves to you with their new name. And uh, for you guys, um, if your name says like my, then change that to God's, right? Like mine says my steadfast shepherd. So I, if I were introducing myself to you, I would say God's steadfast shepherd. So um, yeah, let's see, we'll start with you. Hi, I'm God's brilliant knight. I am God's peaceful son. I am my joyful lion. God, my joyful lion. I'm God's joyful lion. I love having Matt with me. I am my father's precious baby. I'm God's amazing pearl. Yes. All right, thank you.